Hello, beautiful souls. I am MK, co-host of What's the Tea podcast, where we flow through candid conversations over a cup of tea, allowing the plants to guide us. Before we get into this episode, I have a few announcements to share. Jesse Rose and I will be facilitating the Bare Roots Women's Healing Retreat this June in Southern Oregon. Our intention is to create a safe space that is available to those who may not usually have access to an event of this capacity. And we're offering this retreat at the lowest energy exchange we can in order to cover all expenses. If you're listening to this episode as it is released, there is one week left ending May 2nd to share your energy exchange at the early bird rate of $722. This rate will continue to be available for those who are part of the BIPOC community though. For more information or to register, please go to rootedspirit.love and click retreat or check out the show notes for the link. We're going to be doing so, so much during this retreat. We have it like really filled with all that good stuff from plant spirit connection, foraging, herbal medicine making. We've got yoga and movement, meditation, pranayama, sound healing, ecstatic dance, ceremony ritual, and like so many more things that Jesse Rose and I have in store for you and we have nourishing plant-based meals that will be prepared for you each day by our goddess chef Nyla. So yeah if you want more information check the show notes or go to rootedspirit.love and click retreat. I also wanted to share a bit about two tinctures that I mentioned in this episode. Zach Fisher, our guest today, opens this episode discussing the importance of slowing down and creating a calm and safe space to create from. This speaks directly on my intention for creating the flow state tincture. It is a blend of oat tops, lemon balm, and tulsi to help relax, restore, and nourish the nervous system to create a sense of revival. So you can move beyond any limitations that are holding you back and find your flow state. So you can reach your goals and stay in alignment with your highest self. Flow stay is on sale right now and will be until this current batch that I have made is sold out. You can find the link for this in the show notes. I also just wanted to add, if you have taken a tincture before but have not taken one of mine, there's a big difference in um, traditional tinctures and what I make. Traditional tinctures are alcohol-based. I choose not to use alcohol. I use glycerin, which is a sweet vegetable um, or derives from vegetables and it's super super sweet and it tastes so good and really holds the flavor of the herbs so well so you really get to taste this like sweet earthy a little bit florally um depending on the tincture that you're taking um medicine and so good for the mind so good for the soul um i also talk about another tincture is that and Jesse Rose touch on the energy of air leading to always having like new ideas but struggling with grounding and being more present. Um, and once again, this spoke directly to my intention of creating the rooted tincture. This tincture features wood betony, a not so well-known herb, but one we have talked about on here before, that has an affinity for the nervous system and it really, really helps to slow down and ground by moving the upward and outward energy. Think like spacey, someone who might always be in their head and disconnected from their body, that kind of type. Um, It helps to move that energy back down in order to ground and anchor the vital life force and bring thoughts and ideas into our physical reality rather than just having them exist in the mind. This is great for air signs and vata and pitta constitutions or anyone that, like I said, kind of gets stuck in their mind, has trouble really um, 
maybe like with a little bit of creator's not so much creator's block I guess that's actually the flow state would be good for that creator's block but for when you have the idea and you have it all down in your mind but you're really having trouble putting it on paper and getting it out into the world that's what the rooted can really help with um, and it also includes Tulsi cinnamon and licorice root so now to get into this episode. Today we have our guest, Zach Fisher, a primitive technologist and artist. He teaches various outdoor schools around Hudson Valley, New York, and beyond. In this episode, Zach guides us through many different topics from being an artist and musician to animal tracking, sit spots, and primitive skills. But within each of these topics, there is one main thread, slowing down. And I really enjoyed hearing Zach talk all about this because this was kind of the whole idea behind the What's the Tea podcast, as we've talked about in many other episodes, like getting to slow down and be intentional. And he really reminds us to go back and pause in order to move forward at a slower pace with more intention, returning to our roots, to nature, and all the lessons we can learn when we slow down and exist alongside of nature rather than outside of it. He reminds us that primitive skills, making a bow, starting a fire, primitive cooking, are all of our birthrights, and that we are a part of the earth, and he talks about so much more in this episode. Personally, this conversation lit me up and lit up so many deeper parts of myself, igniting my primal roots that yearn to really run barefoot through forests and streams, like under the sunshine and the rain, under the stars, and that part of me that yearns to be so far away from our modern society. But Zach also reminds us that we are not exempt to the rules of nature, and all that we have created is natural in its own way as well. So before we move into this episode, I'll leave you with this question that I've been asking myself. How can we continue to exist within our modern ways of living, because there really is no way of completely turning back, while coming back into relationship with the natural world around and within us, closing that imaginary gap that we have created between human and nature? connect with Zach, check out the show notes, and let's dive into this episode now. So if you're looking for me, stop searching now. Can't you see I don't want to be found? Not in this world, but I'll return back to the earth to cleanse my soul. Back to the earth. Hello and welcome back to What's the Tea? Today we have Jesse with me as always and we have a guest today, Zach Fisher. Zach, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure, yeah. Um, so I am a primitive technologist, an artist living in Hudson Valley. Um, I live in Cornwall, New York, uh, and I'm primarily a, a teacher of outdoor skills and uh, that sort of thing, I guess would be the best way to put it quickly. Yeah, we'll get back into that with some more detail soon. Um, I'm thinking we can open up maybe with what we have in our cups today and see where the conversation leads from there. Sure. Okay, who would like to start? I can start that. Okay, cool. <laughs> All right, in my teacup right now, I have uh, a double double whammy 
um, of Tulsi sleep and throat coat. Uh, I tend to be high energy and my throat is a little dry today. So I went with that combo. So something to help you relax and, and get your throat coated. That's right. Yeah. Like the name suggests. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, we've talked about Tulsi a little bit in some other episodes. I know the throat coat blend has licorice root in it. I know that for sure. And we talked about that a lot. I'm not sure what's in the what else is in there. But um, we'll, we'll add that to the show notes. Because um, you have an organic India blend and a tra- traditional medicinals blend. So if anybody wants to check those out. Um, Jesse, what do you have today? I have um, been moving through some grief. Um, So I, lots of grief this week, um, but particularly um, yesterday we had to say our farewells to one of our horses. um, And I wanted some allies that grow on the property here that kind of grow close to her um, so that I can just kind of, um, I don't know, I just wanted to connect with her in that way still. So I have some lilac, um, some trees grow by um, the fence. And um, I guess I intuitively too have like a lot of trees in here, (laughs) Um, but I have tilia. I usually always have tilia, so linden flower. Um, I have some Leo Norris, so some motherwort, um, just to really like support me and kind of hold me. Um, and then I have my, if I had to pick favorites, <laughs> pine, uh, some northern white pine needles. I have some elderberry from the farm here and some sumac, uh, sumac berries. And I added in a burdock flower essence from uh, Jess, the owner of Exalted Alchemy, which Zach, I know you know her as well. So um, yeah, that's just kind of what's going on in my cup and burdock flower essence has um, some beautiful qualities in it that can be supportive for anger, um, grief, things of that nature. So uh, moving kind of like energetic blocks. So um yeah, that's kind of why I called on the burdock flower essence this morning, too. Um, first of all, I'm so sorry about your horse. Thank you. I know that's difficult, but I love that you're connecting, continuing to connect and move through what you're feeling um, with that through your, your plant allies. Um, I also wanted to say that you have, like you said, a lot of trees. And I know you were telling me that you, you buried her yesterday at the property. And um, when I think of trees, I think of how this is someone, something that someone else shared with me. And now I think of it a lot that how so many of our ancestors and other animals as well, ancestors through animals are buried within the earth. And then they grow from the earth into these different plants and these different trees. So the trees are literally our ancestors. So you're connecting to, to that energy as well through the trees. So that's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. That's yeah. so lovely, and I'll hold that. I'll hold on to that little, yeah, little note too. <laughs> um, and, so um, go ahead. I was gonna <laughs> ask what was in your cup. Oh, I was gonna tell you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's seven. Well, now seven thirty a.m. for me here. So I have my morning green tea as always. Um, and I did like a spring blend this time and added rose. Um, here in 
well, not all year round, but here in the Pacific Northwest, rose is blooming for a long time throughout the year. Actually, right now is the only time that it's, I haven't seen it blooming. But so I added rose in there too. So that's not really the spring spring blend. Um, but I always add my rose for like that heart support, um, opening up the heart, setting boundaries in a loving way. I think it's just something that we can use a lot more of in the world. I think I talk about rose in every episode, so I'm not going to say too much more about that. Um, <laughs> and then I have dandelion leaf. Um, I wanted flower, but um, I just didn't have any. So I added the leaf instead. Dandelion is obviously one of the first spring flowers to come up. I have yarrow as well. Nettles. Cleavers, which we've talked about, um, but cleavers is one of those first spring herbs as well. Burdock root, um, red clover, another one of the first spring herbs, and then licorice root that I always add because I want a little bit of sweetness and for that moistening mm. property. So just kind of tuning into the season. I've been feeling a lot of its Aries season right now when we're recording so I've been feeling a lot of that. I have an Aries moon, been feeling a lot of that fire energy and like that rebirth with everything that we're doing with our businesses, Jesse, and our business together. Um, just feeling all of that inspiration, motivation, and energy, and just coming into this new space. So yeah, again, that rebirth, and wanted to tune into that with all of the spring, spring plants. Mm, so lovely, nice. Mm. It's funny because <laughs> there was a lot in there that I was trying. I like wanted to pull for today <laughs> so mm -hmm. I'm happy that you are drinking them now <laughs> um <laughs> I was like all right Jesse you can't have like 30 in your cup right now um, <laughs> I mean um, you can but I can but I was just yeah I was like let's keep it let's keep it simple but um mm -hmm. I also have rose hips in here too oh okay rose hips let me yeah and I um both of your tea intros were so much more in depth than mine. <laughs> if you want I'm, to share I'm like more, looking at to. all the ingredients on this. Um, <laughs> yeah, sure. Let's do it. Okay. Um, yeah. So the Tulsi Sleep also has like chamomile, cardamom, peppermint. And I've kind of thinking, okay, you guys are talking about why you chose uh, your tea more on a, a deeper level. And, and these are both about kind of soothing, soothing right now. And uh, the Tulsi, I use Tulsi a, a lot. I just really love the way it, it's just kind of sweet, the smell, you know, it has like that uh, uh, pleasure medicine sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, so I'm, I'm just seeing that like the, the relationship between the two teas that I'm staring at in front of me right now. And I'm like, it's all about soothing right now. So I guess that's a place where I am. Yeah, that's mm. nice. Yeah. Yeah. And you said you were going to be recording some music today too, right? So you want that yeah. soothing. Yeah. Just like calm, you know, that, that kind of calm uh, energy is so important for anything creative. I think to have that uh, just like a foundation of, all right, this is where we're gonna, a safe place mm -hmm. in a way. Yeah. To find your flow, your flow state. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Get and, rid of the like chaos of the world and come into your your inner world, I feel like, for the creative process. Yeah, and I think that's helpful too. Um, you know, Zach, I know really the heart of um your work is is really connected to nature. And um I think when we're connecting to nature and we're um 
reuniting <laughs> it's it's kind of good to be calm centered, oh, totally. grounded yes you have to be yeah you know that's kind of something that it doesn't demand of you but it really like if you're having trying to have a conversation with a landscape so you know you have to be able to sit and listen and like kind of calm that monkey mind so you, you're able to pay attention to what's going on around you um, or else it's just a, you know, it kind of gets lost in the chatter. Yeah. Definitely. And what better way to come to sit with the landscape than through your plant allies? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Zach, I know you teach nature sit spots as well. Something mm-hmm. um, I've, I've, I was a student of Zach. <clears throat> I guess I didn't mention that. So <laughs> Um, at Twin Star, he was one of the co-teachers in the Earth Spirit class. That's how I know Zach. Um, so I was wondering if you wanted to dive a little deeper into either maybe sharing with our listeners how to move into sit spots or just kind of maybe how to calm the the monkey mind, as you mentioned, to, to really be in a space where you can hear the communications with nature and feel into that interconnectedness. Sure. Um, yeah, so uh, a sit spot or a sit area is something I, I try to do it every day. Um, it's kind of how I start my day uh, with either a cup of tea or a cup of coffee. And I just go sit out on my deck. And from where my chair is on my deck, I can I have a really nice uh, kind of varied landscape to look at. And the birds love just being out and about in this big open field. But then there's some trees kind of closer to me. So um, when I'm teaching it, you know, uh, especially teaching people who don't spend a lot of time in nature, you know, even people who do, um, it's hard to notice how much is going on around you if you're moving. Um, Not only is it hard to notice, but everything else that's out there is watching you and you're kind of a threat. You know, so they're they're not going to they're going to like limit their movement. They're going to limit how much sound they're making. The birds are always talking about most of the time you if you're around them. You know, they're like, you know, what is this creature coming into our our territory? And they they're just like chattering. And you're like, oh, what pretty songs. And they're like talking directly about you. Um, So by just sitting still uh, for a long period of time and and tuning into just your kind of your physical senses. Uh, you can, I've, I've found that I'm able to kind of step out of my mind a little bit of the thinking and just pay attention to like what is actually going on in front of me. I mean, it's, it's impossible to, for me at least, to do that 100% of the time. It's just inevitable that I'm going to get, I'm going to drift away and I'm going to come back. And, you know, it's a lot like meditation. Um, but you just get to learn about that little spot of land uh, really in depth. You know, you stop, you stop moving and after about 20 minutes or so, the baseline, what's called the baseline uh, of sound and movement kind of resets. And so you're no longer affecting it. And so you get to observe this landscape um, as it is when you're not there, you know? So the birds kind of go back to their usual routine. They doing their little check-ins and their feeding. And, uh, you know, this morning I watched like a, uh, a group of deer come across the field and 
I've seen foxes go across the field and coyotes. And, you know, I watch my red tail hawks as they're hunting. I have a pair of red tail hawks that hang out around here. So it's just like, you know, you're learning the neighborhood in a way. Um, mm -hmm. I noticed that I have a little uh, Carolina wren who hangs out in the wisteria that grows over my uh, deck and it returned today. I haven't seen it in, in months and mm -hmm. he popped out and said hello and, and then was terrified and ran away. And I was like really happy to see it. <laughs> um, but you know, it's just like these little things that you don't, you, you would completely miss it uh, unless you just sat still and observed and actually watched what happens out on this landscape. I really like how you said it's hard to notice how much is going around you if you're moving. And I feel like that ties back into our whole theme of this podcast of slowing down mm -hmm. and moving through life in a more intentional way. And it's totally. pretty hard to do that in the, the world that we live in today. Mm -hmm. So I like, I like that reminder. I like the sit spot and everything that you shared there. Thank you for that. Of course. Um, so you said you do this every morning. Um, do you also do it before you go into a creative process or is that just like your setup for the day and then you're ready to create like at any point in the day? Uh, I don't do it every morning. I can't claim to do that. I try <laughs> any, any, you know, I, I'm driving around a lot. Uh, I teach all over Hudson Valley, Connecticut, New Jersey, New York city. Uh, so sometimes I'm just like up in the morning and I got to go. Mm -hmm. um, if that's the case, sometimes I'll do it in the afternoon, but I'm not, I don't do it a hundred percent. I'm not going to claim that I do it every day. Um, but I usually try to start my day with that because I tend to, and this is why I'm drinking Tulsi sleep first thing in the morning. I tend to wake up with like a long list of things to do, you know, mm -hmm. and I, I, I'm already like the gears are already turning and I'm already like, I should be doing this. And why am I not doing that? And like da, 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 da. Um, so making myself go out there and sit for a moment and let that kind of pass through and be like, I am doing something by just sitting here and yeah. learning a, a little more today about my landscape. You know, over the last couple of weeks, I've noticed a different bird every day kind of showing up as they migrate back um, to this area. But yeah, it just like it settles my mind. So I, I'm, I'm rather than entering my day with that kind of like frantic energy, it allows me to like let the sediment kind of settle so that I have a more clear vision on what I actually, what my priorities for the day are. Mm -hmm. um, and then I usually get, uh, I, there's a lot of kind of like uh, little epiphanies that come in that day, just from like watching the animals, especially I find that they're such incredible teachers um, and there's little metaphors and just things like that. And so starting my day with a little, a little nugget of wisdom is, Mm, that's, that's the good stuff right there yeah we can learn so much from nature i like how you said that the animals are your teachers i always find sure. that too um i have to ask uh what's your sign your, your i'm an i'm an aquarius <laughs> okay you aquarius yeah. taurus moon taurus moon okay i see that yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's where the earth energy I'm, I'm, I'm trying to solve all the world's problems. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we all are here on this podcast. So we're totally. that. Um, and uh, yeah. I'll say too, with that, um, you know, the, the class that we went through at Twin Star, we did a lot of work with the directions. And um, 
I use the directions a lot in my life, you know, since then more so. But um, my sit spots, you know, I usually I do them in the morning. And if most of the time, if I'm doing them, they're in the morning. And so I'm sitting in the direction of the east. And Zach, I know we've talked about like that, that east direction and how um, I feel like we both kind of have a lot of that that air, the new ideas, the new creations. Yes. Um, and so the directions are just another beautiful way that we can look at ourselves, you know, besides astrology and <laughs> all these other, other ways, but it's kind of a window into ourselves too. And while also connecting to nature. So it's, um, really profound, the nuggets of wisdom that we can find when working with the directions too. So I just wanted to kind of throw that in because I know you, you teach on that as well. Definitely. Yeah. The, uh, that Eastern energy is something I've been trying to (laughs) balance out for ever. You know, it does have that being an air sign. It's just all over, all over all the, you know, I follow the wind, you know, (laughs) so yeah, every morning there's like a new idea on top of all the things that I was already trying to accomplish. So I do get swept up in that a lot, but um, yeah, trying to balance it out with things that are more earthy, more grounding, more like slower, um, always, yeah, it, it helps a lot. It's allowed me to uh, kind of complete more projects. In the last couple of years, that's something I've really focused on, like the the soothing more earthy sensual way of uh existing versus like the needing constant productivity mm-hmm. um needing constant stimulation and um always moving all the time uh, i've realized doesn't isn't as productive as it seems mm-hmm. you know it tends to just create a bunch of chaos and you feel like or at least I, I should speak for myself. I feel like I'm being productive in that, in that sense. Um, but yeah, it, it's not, it's not as it seems. <laughs> it's kind of something I've learned over the last couple of years, especially doing a little more uh, shadow work, I guess. Yeah. That blow direction energy, but um yeah, I, I think you're doing a good job of balancing it. <laughs> you're, um, it, Thank you. It, yeah, <laughs> I don't know, but it seems like it. You're, um, I, you're doing it's just so much work with the earth. Um, and I think, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm just seeing like the Taurus and the Aquarius energy like playing. <laughs> and like, okay, what I'm going to create now. Yeah. They're not always playing. Sometimes they're they're definitely at odds. <laughs> right now in my mind they're playing. <laughs> it's like, no, we need to finish this project. No, let's go run across let's let's take off. Let's go take a trip and do something else. Yeah. It's funny you're saying all this because I don't know where any of my air placements are. Like I have a lot of fire and I have a lot of earth. But I feel all of that too. But I think it's just because I'm a Virgo and Virgo like Virgo's a creative, but also like organized. So going back to like the making lists of things that you have to get done that day. I do that in the morning as well. So I'm going to start a sit spot in the morning. (laughs) Um, But, oh, I was going to say, you were saying 
solving the world's problems is like your your Taurus moon energy. But I feel like you're on the right track with what you were saying about how mm. productive energy isn't as productive as it seems. I think that right. that's going to help solve the world's problems. That like quote right there. Yeah, so. <laughs> see, I, I've always seen that more as a as an Aquarius trait mm-hmm. of like the Aquarius is trying to is always I don't know I, I think I've uh, I take on kind of just the biggest problem I can find. Okay, so more of the Aquarius energy than the Taurus energy. Yeah, kind of like I'm trying to bring the water, you know, like bear the water and and share the water. And um, I find that uh, other Aquarius that I meet are kind of in the same place where they have, um, you know, they have like great ideas about how to fix problems, but it's very difficult to implement it um that's me and and like share it yeah share it with like the people you know very like community minded uh and so i i take on more than just the things i'm dealing with i'm taking on like things that like society is very like socially Mm -hmm. uh critical you know Mm -hmm. yeah and uh not yeah again also not another thing that seems a lot more productive than it actually is (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I actually have an Aquarius friend that I um, made a tincture blend specifically for. She's on our last episode, uh, Jessica Sailor. Mm-hmm. She's an Aquarius. Yeah. And I, she was saying how she was having kind of that same, same energy going on, like trying to do all these different things, but with the air energy, not really being able to ground and root into one and just kind of moving on, trying to move on to the next one, on to the next one, on to the next one, and really never, like you said, not actually being productive, not completing the task. So the, the rooted tincture that I've talked about a few times was created specifically for that energy. So if any Aquariuses are out there or any other air signs and can relate to what Zach is sharing. Um, maybe check out that rooted tincture blend, help to ground yeah. you. That wood betony. Yes, wood betony. <laughs> yeah, anything that can like uh, help me like chain myself to one spot so that I can like finish a thing mm-hmm. is is the way is what I need. Yeah. Um, yeah, to get to get anything done really. Yeah, that one also has Tulsi in it too, Zach. So. Just saying. All right. <laughs> calling your name. <laughs> I'm ready. Um, um, yeah. While we were talking about kind of slowing down a little bit and grounding, um, I wanted to bring in how uh, I feel like maybe that really helps you. Your work helps you, Zach, because a lot of your work I feel is like paying attention to the little details. I mean, especially like animal tracking, stuff like mm-hmm. that really have to be like very present to <laughs> the little things that are unfolding around you. Um, and then I didn't know if you wanted to kind of share anything else about animal tracking. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, fascinating to me. Yeah. This, this podcast is going to go for a long time. If you get me going down this road, <laughs> Um, I, so I, I did a tracking class, um, yesterday with uh, a friend of mine's organization called Adventure Untamed. They're based out of New York city. And so there's a, you know, they're bringing, uh, people who mostly live in like a, uh, you know, a very dense, 
populated, overstimulated environment. And I lived there for eight years. I lived in New York City. Um, and I, so I know kind of what to expect. Um, and so we just started walking uh, around in the woods and it, it really was like, you know, I have to, I have to point out the fact that there's so many things out there that people just aren't looking at, you know? And it, and it makes sense, you know, they're not spending long, long periods of time in, in nature. They're, they're in the city and their, their senses are just like overstimulated and pretty shut down at that point. And so um, a lot of what tracking is, uh, oh boy, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's one of these things where kind of the way I describe it is you start by tracking like a squirrel um, and you end by like, or there is no end, but you start getting into things like you're tracking your personal internal patterns um, on a completely different landscape than you started with. You know, there's an internal and external and um, they kind of have similar rules and similar techniques um, about pattern recognition, looking for things that are out of that baseline uh, uh, place at like how how things are around it things that stick out you know things that are out of the ordinary um and so yeah when i teach a tracking class i kind of start by just like pointing things out and like hey did you notice this check this out you know this, look at this little hickory nut that's been chewed on by something okay what do we think did that you know and it's like getting people to like create theories and um you know tracking is the first science it's forensic science uh, that goes way, way back. There's like, there's the first, uh, at least this is kind of the way it's been presented to me. It's the first time that, uh, human beings or, you know, whatever, whatever we were back then, um, started really looking at things critically, um, creating theories, uh, looking at evidence and, um, yeah, you can go really, really deep with it. Um, I still feel, you know, I've been doing it for a decade now and I still feel like I'm just tip of the iceberg. Um, but I've worked with teachers too, who have pushed that, uh, my ability, every time I work with them, I, they push my ability and I point out something new that I didn't notice. Um, you know, like we were looking at slug tracks, slugs, uh, slug tracks where they're eating the algae off of trees. And it's something that I would, I would never have noticed had somebody not pointed it out to me or even like thought about so tracking is uh, in in a sense the same idea as a sit spot where you yeah you have to be really present to get something out of it uh, and to really uh, see the truth of a scenario you know and it, a lot of it also is like removing your your expectations and your assumptions and all the things that you bring to that tracking scenario that affects the lens that you're seeing it through. So, you know, I could, I could literally talk about this all day. I did yesterday. <laughs> it was a full eight hour day of me just talking like this. Um, and, and, and really only scratching the surface. Mm -hmm. um, again, it brings me back to what you were saying about if you're, moving you can't really see what's going on around you and you're mm -hmm. talking about being in the city you did this with uh, people from new york city 
And I recently moved to Portland. Well, I actually recently moved out of Portland too a month ago. But I was living in the city for the longest time I've ever lived in a city, about seven months, and was noticing that I was missing so much because there's, like you were saying, we're overstimulated in the city. Mm-hmm. And you're, in order to, I guess, deal with that, your brain just like blocks out a lot of things and you miss right. so much. Yeah. Um, and I noticed with coming into, like when I started learning about herbalism and started identifying plants and everything, now when I go into the forests, the woods, the any like natural landscape, I notice so much more. Like you were saying, there's the things that you miss. I realized yeah. how I used to, um, everything just blurred together as like one big green screen kind of thing. Yeah. But now I can look and see, oh, that leaf isn't the same as that one. So what is this one? Yeah. Um, they so, call yeah. that the, the green wall. The green right? wall. Okay, there's, yeah. there's a term for it. <laughs> yeah. You're yeah. breaking through the green wall and you're seeing what's what it's actually made of. And there's definitely the same thing with, with tracks. You're just like, you're looking at the ground, uh, but then somebody's like, actually, check out these little depressions here. That's a, the, you know, that's a deer, uh, deer trail going through here. And then they're like, wait, oh, okay. And by the end of the day yesterday, people were like pointing things out to me, you know, like they're, you slow down, you start just like kind of scanning in a way. And so your senses are like really activated. Um, it's actually exhausting. Uh, it's something that like a muscle you have to do over and over. And if you're not tracking a lot, then you kind of like you lose your, uh, your ability to do it for a long period of time. And you, you just like, you get home at the end of the day and just like, you are spent, your brain is just done. Um, so mm. yeah, same, same idea, mm-hmm. but yeah, that pace, you know, living in New York city, the, the pace is just like so elevated. Uh, you get so easy, easily whipped up into all the movement and the sound and the things to do. And the, you gotta be productive and you gotta like, you gotta be moving, moving, moving time is money, time is money. And then you walk into the woods and you bring that with you and you're just like, ah, what do I do here? Well, I just, I guess I'll just hike as fast as possible from point A to point B. And there's an accomplishment there. I did this, you know, I climbed this mountain, check it off the list. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I was an outdoor guide for a long, a long time. Um, and so I was kind of the, I was in charge of running these trips. And a lot of them were just like that. You know, you meet people from, people from New York city and they're like, here's the accomplishment I want to check off today. We're going to do it as fast as possible. And I'm not against that. I, you know, I like being active. I've always been an athlete. So uh, that kind of feeling I I really enjoy. But these days, it's so hard for me to like walk past a track or a plant or something and not talk about it with my group. And I'm like, ah, you know, I know we're supposed to be at this lake in 45 minutes, but look at this plant. <laughs> uh, this, look at it the bear scat right over there let's take it apart um so yeah it's it it makes you it makes you kind of like settle into that uh, uh awareness awareness kind of requires mm-hmm. that sort of thing yeah, yeah and you were talking about how time is money and i feel like when you go out into the forest when you're slowing down and you're being present time is like you realize how time is really just like a human construction that doesn't actually really exist right you just you're like oh i was i got here like 9 a.m it's now like 5 p.m it feels Mm -hmm. like 
Like what? Like this, <laughs> but it exists in a very different way than we, you know, kind of move with it. Yeah. Like we can tell that there's this something in the beginning of the day that doesn't happen at the end or, or things, you know, so it's like the sun comes up during the morning. That's the sun's time or however you want to use the word. I just wish there was like another word for time, <laughs> time but it's like this moment of something um, <laughs> but, but uh yeah Zach you were like talking about you said no end um like there's there's no end to the journey and that's something that I was reminded of that you taught me was like moving towards something not to something yeah when we when we were animal tracking you said that many times so I had it wrote it down and I remember it <laughs> yeah <laughs> I repeat that one a lot. That was that was one that was uh, imparted on on me by my teacher, mm. um, Tom Brown Jr. Uh, he says that a lot, and it's yeah, it's really important. You are kind of just you're being led to to allow yourself to be led rather than to, uh, you know, I think you know that has a lot to do with control. Um, like you want to be in control of your path because you think you know better um, versus just kind of accepting that you're moving along this path and you're kind of like, yeah, moving a little more mindfully. You're, you have to look and listen and pay attention a little more when you do that, because you're, it's not like, Oh, I know what the outcome is going to be because I'm going to, this is the way we're going to do it. Um, it's very rigid and it's very kind of unaware, you know, and you're going to miss a lot. Um, the same way you're missing tracks, the same way you're missing bird songs, you're going to miss little, hints and little indications that like oh actually maybe i should you know maybe i was led in this direction so that i got to this point but now my perspective has changed and i gotta look around and oh look now actually it seems like the goal has shifted a little bit or you know maybe not the goal but like the direction i'm supposed to be moving in has shifted a little bit and that way it's more of a um i don't know feels a little more organic uh, there's there's not so much fighting to uh, reach a specific goal. And it's not so much like wasted energy. You're just kind of like, all right, this is this is where we're going. There's a little more acceptance. There's a little more wisdom in that. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's very hard to do. <laughs> very hard. Yeah. <laughs> um, but once once you're doing it, like once you're in the flow of it, you're like, oh, yeah, right, this makes sense. This is this seems uh, to be a little more uh, like what I'm actually looking for. Definitely, yeah, more of like an evolution unfolding, and um... yeah, it's more exciting that way too. It's more interesting. <laughs> it's better story. Yeah, <laughs> better story. Yeah, story. Um, yeah, something with animal tracking too is like. Y y you know, like, what is the story here? <laughs> but um, that I think that's probably why I had that written down was because I think I remember you saying moving towards something, not to something when we were trying to kind of learn or, or see what the story might be of like, right. like, you know, did the, did the animal pause and like, is their weight shifted into, you know, different areas and you can kind of see like, what, what was this, what was you know, it's fun to have, you know, kind of play with the stories like, oh, maybe, you know. Right. And to not to jump to conclusions. That? Yeah. Yes. You know, and mm -hmm. that was like a really, that's a really important uh, part about tracking is to, yeah, just kind of like 
let the track take you on the journey that that it's taking you on versus being you know because i'm part of a, a bunch of like facebook groups that do tracking and people there's a lot of people who have you know not a ton of experience in their uh they post like a picture of a large dog print and they're like this is a wolf you're like wait a minute like you you live in new jersey like there's no wolves there um or you know this is a mountain lion it's like there's no there's no i mean there might there was one recently but you know everybody wants it to be something you know they want that that track i found this track it's big i want it to be special so i'm gonna say this is what i think it is this is what i want it to be um and uh there was a really great quote from uh my teacher i think it was my teacher bill marple who's uh he teaches for tom brown jr and he had the quote was it doesn't matter if you're right or, or wrong with tracking you're gonna find what you're looking for and i thought that was like such a good way of putting it because you know you're gonna you're gonna make that thing fit what you think is right versus allowing yourself to just be open to information be open to possibilities and be open to be and that's how you see like little like oh you know what? i thought this was a cat print um but actually there's a little bit of this shape or there's a little hint of a nail so maybe it's a gray fox you know and um just staying open to that and just also being able to say i don't know you know i have a uh, i took a year long tracking apprenticeship uh, with this guy named george leoniak up in vermont uh and he's awesome uh mind mindful tracker is his organization and uh one of the things that i really loved about him was he's been doing this for like 30 years and we would see a track and he'd be like yeah i don't know <laughs> you're like oh great he's not like trying to force an answer or try to he's not trying to prove anything to anybody he's just like yes you know sometimes you don't know and that's just the way that's just tracking you know given the what the animal's behavior is or the weather pattern that came through or just like the time of day or where your mind's at it's it, sometimes you just don't know and it's fine to to say that that reminds me of our ego checks, Jesse, putting the ego aside and being able to say, I don't know. Yeah. Just going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> ego check. We're like, yeah. oh, ego check. Don't yeah. know, actually, even though some part of me probably wants to know. But um, yeah. yeah, yeah, very, very much easier said than done. But yeah, uh, <laughs> it's, it's hard to, you know, kind of move through. Um, those lenses and just be open to the information. Um, yeah. And so I wanted to maybe shift a little bit. I mean, it's not, we're not shifting too far into another world, but um, um, the primitive uh, cooking and just working with nature in, in that way. Um, I know is also something you do. And I was just wondering like how, how your experience has been, you know, working with nature in a more primitive sense, mm -hmm. making those, you know, technologies. And it's something that I really want to connect more with. So I'm happy to listen to whatever reflections you've experienced and want to share. 
Sure. Um, so, I mean, like kind of how this stuff is, uh, how I use it in today, right? And like how, what my experience is and why I think it's kind of important. Um, so for something like primitive cooking, that's easy. Like the food just tastes better. <laughs> uh, a lot, a lot of it, you know, um, just adding like a little smokiness or kind of these older techniques, like something like a clay bake where you wrap something fully enclose it in clay and cook it in the middle of a fire. It just like, it holds the flavor in, you know, it's just like, it, it just tastes good, you know? Um, and the experience, you know, I think, um, with all of these skills, whether it be cooking on a fire or tracking or rubbing sticks together uh, to make a fire or, you know, carving your own uh, bow out of a log of wood and going hunting with it. These are all skills, um, the way I teach it, these are all skills that are, um, are birthrights for everybody. You know, everybody at some point, um, someone in their lineage lived this way. And so, and it's also how human beings were formed was in nature living this way. And so we have these uh, kind of like these mechanisms within us, something like being in tuned to bird language or just like that kind of sixth sense, you know, you know, when somebody's close to you or, you know, when somebody's watching to you. Um, those things are so built into us. And so a lot of the experiential, uh, value that I get from it is based in the fact that it just feels so at the root of my existence, you know, like doing a hand drill fire. I just feel there's something very, there's something very empowering about it. Um, and very empowering about being able to enter a landscape uh, and and say, all right, like if I had to stay out here for a week, I could probably do it. I know how to build a shelter. I know how to make my fire. I know that these plants are good for an infection. Uh, I know that I can eat this tree nut. You know, there, here's a little trail here. If I wanted to, I could set a trap and catch a squirrel. Um, I know there's my water source. I can figure out how I'm going to boil it. And there's, I mean, there's something just inherently empowering about that and being able to do that experience but on a deeper level you're also connecting to your ancestry and a lineage that isn't really present anymore these skills have really taken a back seat to our modern need it now get it from amazon you know have it immediately and, and then throw it away um, experience that we are so used to. So an, another thing that makes you slow down, right? You can't rush these skills. If you try to rush making a bow, it's going to snap. If you try to rush a fire, it's not going to light. It's going to smoke and you're going to end up spending more energy uh, trying to get it lit than you would if you had just taken your time and done it right the first time. Um, and so there's also kind of a built in, uh, you got to learn patience. You got to be humble. You got to be a little stubborn. You have to have some perseverance with these skills because they do 
push you to that level. You know, I think nature in general is just like something that will, if you need something to push you, nature will always provide that <laughs> it'll always push those comfort zones it'll always push your ability um and so uh you know obviously i'm kind of hopping all over the place and just touching on a few different things but it's it really is it's another endless thing it's another endless rabbit hole of rabbit holes of rabbit holes where um the the lessons don't end uh, as long as you're open to them um, and yeah, it's, it's just like working with nature. I just feel more grounded in, in that experience. Um, I feel like what you're saying about it being everyone's birthright, um, and connecting back to our ancestry, it seems like it's a, like a feeling of returning home. Mm -hmm. Um, totally. Yeah. You know, I, uh, I, when I first started writing my album, I was thinking about calling it uh, Nosto, which is the Latin for like extreme homesickness. And I think, I think people, and this is something I, I really witnessed during the pandemic. I think people are really like fatigued by this constant perpetual movement and having to like live in something like a city and living in our society and following all the rules and having to meet all these standards people are so sick of that and so when everything shut down people got to see with a little more clarity and kind of like distill their life down into what are my priorities? What are my real priorities? And so we saw a lot of people come back to like the trails. I mean, the, the, the parks over here were completely overloaded with people <laughs> spending time in nature because that was really all they could do. Um, but it was also, uh, I think it's a, a little, there's a, a deeper motivation there, you know, you know, like when we're, when you're feeling so overwhelmed, you're like, who do I call? They're like, I got to call my mom. I want my mom. <laughs> um, and so like people are like going back to nature, like, ah, like somewhere beautiful and somewhere I can feel relaxed and I get some exercise. And there's just like a, I don't know, the more time you spend in it, uh, it just kind of like naturally helps you detox all the nonsense, you know? Um, so yeah, I think that, that homesickness is a real, uh, motivator to why I do this as a, as a career, you know, and why I think it's so important for me to be teaching people these skills, not just because, you know, I mean, there's the, the practical side of it is if you get lost in the woods and you don't know how to build a shelter and start a fire or whatever, you could die if you're in the wrong situation. Um, but I don't try, I try not to just teach that way. They're kind of like a fear based. I have to be prepared in case nature tries to take me out, you know, <laughs> man versus wild. Um, I try to teach it as, uh, there's a deeper reason that we do this. You know, I'm not rubbing sticks together because I think it's a better method than a Bic lighter. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> um as far as the 
logistical. Yeah, yeah, right. Like, yeah, here's my fire immediately. Um, in some cases, it is like if it's raining, it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there's a there's a there's a much deeper reason, um, yeah. and that's something I'm still discovering for myself. You know, on that like toward not to path is like okay, I know I'm supposed to be doing this, so I'm going to keep doing it until I feel like I'm supposed to be doing something else. You know, mm-hmm. and so right now my my teaching has really started to move in that direction of like, okay, actually I'm here to provide people with this deeper experience of like nature is home. Mm -hmm. Nature can be and was home for human beings. And we've been living outside of it for really not that long. If you look at our timeline, you know, we've like kind of completely separated ourselves from nature only recently. Um, and, and look at, look at the, you know, the levels of depression and suicide and just like discontent has just skyrocketed. You know, um, if you look at, if you, if you're looking at all those indicators of, you know, like gross national happiness, uh, it's not going great. <laughs> yeah. Especially, you know, you're saying people were able to kind of get out and connect more with the pandemic, but mm-hmm. I think you know, that's, that's part of what happened. But the other side of it is people felt more disconnected and piggybacking on the idea of home. We have kind of this concept that home is a house or an apartment condo or wherever you live that you've created a space for yourself to live in. But I, for the longest time, like I have, I'm grateful to have an incredible like home, like where my family lives, where I can always return to. But for years I felt like I was missing home because Uh I, realize that home is actually a feeling right and with all the things that you're talking about with the primitive skills the animal tracking the slowing down um letting go of that need for productivity it's a way of like you're connecting to your senses and in doing so we're connecting back to the earth and i feel like that's where that feeling of home comes from that connection the connection with the oneness of all that that is um and connecting through what might be, or connecting to the senses through what might be seen as the harder way to do things. Like you were talking about, you know, Bic lighter versus, um, you said a hand drill fire. Is that when you have the, something on the bottom and you're like turning the stick in your hands? Yeah. So oh, that's, cool. a, that's the a two piece. <laughs> uh, that apparently is the first way that, um, as I've heard it, the first way that human beings domesticated fire so we mm-hmm. have we're now able to have a fire whenever we want and we don't have to rely on like a lightning strike or you know uh some kind of spontaneous combustion yeah and then we we run to the fire and we gather some embers and we bring it back to the camp and we start a fire from that and we just try to keep it going for as long as we can because as soon as it's out it's out mm-hmm. um so yeah the hand hand drill Uh, was like the first way was the first method yeah that's cool but yeah like by doing that maybe what might be considered harder yeah you're connecting back to your senses and you're slowing down and connecting through so many different avenues in that way because through the senses we can become more present um i like taking the quote-unquote harder way i kind of do that with my my life in general and some people think i'm crazy but um same yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I want to, I mean, I still use, like, the main thing that comes to my mind is, like, I like to make fresh juices, but I don't own a juicer. 
I do own a blender though. Like ideally, if I was really slowing down, I would have a mortar and pestle and I'd be grinding up my, my fruit right. in a mortar and pestle and like You spend all out. day making that smoothie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Be the best but, smoothie ever. Yeah. But now what I do for like a juice is I do I still use my blender, but I blend it and then I run it through a nut milk bag and just being able to like squeeze the juice mm -hmm. out like you're getting it all over your hands you're smelling it like you're feeling it and just connecting with it in that deeper way and it makes you slow down it makes you more appreciative more grateful for all the things that you have right um, totally. and I, yeah going back to that like um i need it now you were like get it off mm -hmm. amazon like do we appreciate that and then you said something about like and then you get rid of it um right yeah you don't care about it as much it doesn't have yeah. as much of a story and so like when i'm working with students and we're, we're making a thing typically kids like uh you know if i'm doing like a bow making little workshop with kids they're like ah it's so hard like i just <laughs> want to buy it like can you just do it for me and i'm like absolutely not um you know this is a as much about the experience and at the end of this class you're going to be able to say hey look at this bow that i made and it came from a log that we cut down and we split it and I worked on it. It took days and it hurt and I was tired, but look at it like this is and there's no there's no way you're going to get uh, that kid to give up that bow, mm -hmm. you know, and that it like means something to you now. It has meaning. It has a story. You're connected to it. You're part of it. You know, as soon as you make something with your hands, you're a part of it. Mm -hmm. Your story, your energy is in that object and it, it's there forever. You know, so I, I, there's just like, there's so much more value. And I think um, that kind of value isn't really uh, present or accentuated in our society so much. Yeah, the value is on the dollar and not yeah. on, it's like, how much can you get for your dollar? Not. Yeah. But when you show people, yeah, when you show people and you tell them the story, everybody understands that value immediately. Mm -hmm. They're like, oh yeah, totally get that because it's human it's such a human thing that's like that is the way that we uh developed into what we are is like through those methods we did it ourselves like we yeah. did it by hand we did it with using nothing but the things we found in nature and um yeah and you know there is a it's kind of a weird thing because there is if you follow that timeline it just turns into what we do now you know we're we're very like survival minded still and survival is all about efficiency so from a survival standpoint yeah i'm going to carry a bic lighter and i'm going to order all things off of amazon because <laughs> it's more energy efficient it's just it's convenient um but this it's kind of like a yeah it's a it's a weird it's a weird kind of distorted version of the same thing you know yeah. i when i was living in new york city I was really stuck on this like uh, uh, polar, black and white minded, these things are natural, these things are unnatural. And I remember I was sitting on my roof one night looking at the city and I was like, I was like ah, shit, like this is natural, isn't it? Like this is all a natural thing. This was made by humans. Nothing in the city came from anywhere other than the earth, <laughs> you know, like gasoline is an earth product like it comes from the earth you know uh metal and plastic and all these things that were like ah 
not natural are fully natural and made by a human being, which is a natural thing. So it's no really no different than like a beehive. Uh, and that was like that was a hard pill to swallow. Yeah. Like, ah, I can't point my finger anymore, and I can't be the exception to this rule. I'm actually just a part of it, and this is this is really just the the timeline of human beings and nature and how our species has come to exist. You know, uh, so we're not we're not exempt to any of the rules of nature, and and I don't think. I think we've convinced ourselves that we are, but we're not. We're just still trying to perpetuate the species in the most efficient way possible. Mm-hmm. And so we buy things on Amazon and <laughs> use big lighters. Yeah, I like that. That's something that a really good friend of mine has like kind of brought to my attention this past year because I would do mm-hmm. that too, point the finger like, no, like yeah. all technology is bad. But then I'm like, here we are recording on my iPhone. Um, like, right you know. yeah <laughs> we're we're in two different Reaping. states having a conversation yeah about, about how important nature is uh using our iphones that have, were not ethically made um but you know there was i was reading uh there was an essay essay by uh gary snyder um and and he talks about i think the book is called practices of the wild and he talks about the difference between unnatural natural and wild. And so uh, he's kind of making this distinctions within that same kind of uh, concept, that same philosophy of like, this is natural, this is unnatural, this is wild, um, as like a, a distinction between like, you know, a forest and a city. So I, yeah. I don't remember a lot more than that. But, <laughs> uh, but a good story. It, it was a good distinction. Yeah. It was a good yeah. distinction to make. Like, okay, well, there still is a, a distinction. Yeah, we can add that to the show notes because I actually am interested in that. I'm gonna, mm-hmm. I'm gonna look into that. Yeah, me too. Um, I wanted to kind of like piggyback off some things we were talking about, but also switch gears in a way and talk about your art. Um, mm-hmm. And I wanted to start by asking you if you know who Nick Netto is. Oh yeah, organic yeah. artist. <laughs> okay. yeah, so he, I, I thought you would, especially being East Coast. Definitely, I, I have never met him, but he's friends with a lot of my friends. He went to Tracker School. Oh. Um, yeah, I I haven't bought his book yet, but I I've been you know I've watched videos of him. He's a basket maker too, and um, you know makes all his. He's a very eco centric artist, which I really appreciate. You know, one of my favorite artists is Andy Goldsworthy. Um, because he, he lives in the UK and he basically just like walks a landscape and builds this, like builds like fine art out of what he finds. And then he photographs it. And that's kind of like the, the product. Um, yeah. and, and a lot of it has to do with the passing of time and how time affects the piece of art and how it degrades or changes over time. Um, and I think artists that are, you know, because I'm a painter and a lot of these, uh, materials I'm using are not eco-friendly. Mm-hmm. You know, you're using like turpentine, and it's highly caustic and not great. Uh, and a lot of the colors are uh, mixed with things like chrome and copper to get more vibrant colors and things like that. So uh, I have had some guilt around being an artist and somebody who is very concerned with the well-being of nature. So people like Nick Netto. Um, or Andy Goldsworthy, who are able to find a way to uh, have those two things coexist, 
uh, is really inspiring to me. And that's kind of how I've been uh, moving my, both, both of my worlds of being, uh, you know, primitive skills person, outdoor educator, and being an artist and how they, they intertwine. Yeah, and for anyone listening, I just wanted to share a little bit about what I know about Nick Neto so they have a little more understanding of what you're saying. So Nick Neto, like, I don't know if everything he creates is, like, from nature, but he makes his own papers. He makes his own paints. He does, um, like, paintbrushes from, like, he'll find, like, there's specific um, branches and twigs that you can use, but he chews on the end of them to make the, like, brushes of the, the paintbrush. Um so it's, yeah, definitely a more, yeah, like you said, ecocentric. He's an ecocentric artist. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, more of a story. Yeah, you know? more of a story, like, more of that slowing down, that that harder, again, quote unquote, harder. Yeah. But again, I don't see it as harder. I just see it as, I see it as more fun um, yeah. right. <laughs> or even a challenge, but harder. <laughs> what was that, Jesse? We can reframe the word harder. Yeah. Because it's it's more more energy. More energy, being, yeah. Being put into that. Yeah. And then you can hold so much more appreciation for that experience that you've had. Like, you know, when we did the friction fires with you, Zach, and the, the bow drill kit, like I am able to hold the element of fire at a, such a deeper appreciation than how I previously had experiences with fire. And, you know, right. it's like, now, when I hit that big lighter on, I can pause for a moment and be like, wow, we've come really far and I can appreciate the full spectrum of like, not right. that I ever had to do that in the wild, but like, <laughs> I've, you know, got to, got the privilege to experience like how much energy and effort mm-hmm. goes into that, you know, and how there's just so much less energy when I, when I flick my big lighter on. Right. <laughs> And despite that, you know, I still find myself, if I watch somebody use, you know, crumple up a bunch of newspaper and use a lighter and, uh, you know, douse it in whatever lighter fluid they're using, I'm like, man, I really wish we were doing it the other way. I wish this person knew how much they were missing out on by doing it this way. You know, so I I have a fire pit out in front of my house and uh, one of my rules is, it's only started primitively. Mm. I can only, I can use like a flint and steel. I'll let myself use a ferrocerium rod, which most people call a flint and steel. I haven't done it yet, but if I ever need to, but I mostly start it with a hand drill or bow drill fire. That's mm. kind of like my, my rule for that pit. And I think that, again, it's like just a better story. It's just like a, uh, that energy that you put into it is there still, and you can feel it. So it's more energy, but there's, then it's, it's not like it just disappears. It's still, it's still there. You can still access it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And energy cannot be destroyed. So. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe, sorry, go ahead, Jesse. I was going to say, maybe I need to create that rule for our fire pit here, but I need some <laughs> reminders. on how <laughs> <laughs> It's very quite hard. Yes. Or requires a lot of energy. Totally. <laughs> and patience so yeah i mean i've been doing it for a long time i still don't get it every time yeah i'm fine with that um i wanted to ask you zach so your art you um, i'm trying to figure out how to word my question um 
So the name of your, is it, do you call it an art business or? So I have kind of like two different, <laughs> very divided in this way. Uh, I have two kind of two different organizations, I guess. One of them is just me as an artist and a musician. Um, and that's Zach Fisher art. Um, I don't have a website, but you know, I have like my Instagram that I upkeep. Maybe I'll have a website when I get around to it. Um, but then I have um, my outdoor education. Uh, and so my the website that I'm building right now is going to be vulpusarts.com. Sorry, vulpuswildarts.com. And I'm going to offer kind of outdoor education, outdoor guiding, and, uh, and like design. So I'll do logos and things like that for people mm -hmm. awesome so do you want to share with us a little bit where the the name came from vulpus yeah so vulpus is the uh like biological name of true fox so all the foxes uh in the world have a vulpus in them uh, around here we have two we have the red fox and the gray fox and so like the red fox is vulpus vulpus I've always felt very connected to foxes um, ever since I turned 10 uh, and we were sitting in my kitchen at my parents' house and uh, our backyard kind of butted up against this big open area and forested area in Northern California. And a gray fox just came out, like as we were lighting the candles, this gray fox came out and sat, sat on the deck and just like, stared at us and we had the lights on and we were kind of like what is happening here so we turned the lights off and we just looked at it looked back at it and uh, and then it, after a few minutes it just turned back around and went back out into the field just like came right back the way it came like it had come right to that spot and looked at us and then left and it didn't it wasn't scared it just kind of walked you know it felt very calm and I remember thinking like that, that was something of note. Um, and so ever since then, I've just really enjoyed their presence when they're around. I'm just like, yes, like foxes are so cool. <laughs> um, and then I started doing a little more research into it. And I'm like, man, I just, I get these things, you know, they're, uh, they're very, you know, they, they're known for being very mischievous. Um, they're very intelligent. They're master survivalists. They love transition zones. So they can, they can really, they can survive everywhere in the world. Pretty much there's a, there's a Fox, a type of Fox that's there and it's thriving. Um, but they're also, you know, they're very loyal. They, uh, they mate for life. Um, and they're just, yeah, they're very stealthy, um, mythologically they are many times they're shapeshifters they're messengers they're um yeah the trickster element um but you know i've i've really learned to see kind of like the medicine in in mischief sometimes where somebody some sometimes just needs to like stir the pot so that perspectives can be shifted and so mm -hmm. yeah um I, I chose, I was kind of trying to figure out a name for my organization. And I was like, well, Vulpus is a cool world word. Nobody's going to know how to pronounce it, but I don't <laughs> care. 
doing it anyways. And then I took a walk on my property. I was like tracking a raccoon and uh, it took me to the edge of this little cliff. And I was just kind of standing there and I watched some deer come up and the deer were kind of a little startled by something. The deer in the front was kind of like craning its neck and then it started walking kind of in like a stomping manner, which they usually do when um, they're trying to like spook something out of hiding. So it it obviously had like smelled the fox, but didn't know where it was. Um, And as it was going on this path, I watched this red fox kind of stand up and stretch and yawn. And then it kind of like moved to a different tree and just like laid down in the sun. And I was just like, ah, man, that's so great. (laughs) Um, You know, I, and I, there's this old cabin that's dilapidated on the property I live on. And uh, for the last few years, uh, the red foxes have, uh, bedded up there and had their families. I think it's the same, the same mating pair. Um, yeah. Anytime, anytime they're around, I feel like I'm, I'm amongst, uh, I'm, I'm amongst a friend. Yeah. Like your, your people. Yeah. You're an animal, but yeah, we're all non, non-human people. Yeah. And you know, <laughs> I, I do like sometimes when I'm making like a big life decision, I'm not thinking about like, <laughs> like people I admire, like, what would they do? I'm like, what would a fox do in this situation? <laughs> like, if I'm really, if I really want some good advice, I'm going to go with the fox. And they seem to be doing pretty good out there. Um, yeah, I, I don't know that I consider myself. A, a lot of people are like, oh, well, you like foxes, so you must be a fox. I'm like, I think I just, uh, I think we just understand each other. I see it more as like a kindred spirit than I do like I see myself as the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I, you know, one of my teachers once I, I took this uh, class, it was an animal, it was a deer processing class. So uh, it was this guy, uh, Neil Bouvard, I think is his last name. He, he runs wolf tree programs up in Massachusetts and he's a hunter, but he was talking about his experience as a hunter. He's like, I don't, I don't like, hunting. I don't like killing things. I kind of, honestly, I do it, um, a, because I need to feed my family and B because I have a very deep connection to deer and in my communications with them, they, they instruct me to go and harvest the deer. He's like, I don't, yeah, I don't like it. I see them as little gods out there. You know, these are like gods of the forest. Um, and when he said that, I was like, Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, I started like snapping my fingers like, yeah, Neil. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and since then, like that, that's kind of the, the way that I approach it. You know, it's like, this thing is kind of like a, a little God out there. It's living in its most purest form. There's no doubt, you know, like these things don't have doubt in how they're living. They're just doing it um, as nature intended. And so there's a real sacredness, uh, a real divinity in that, I think. Um, so, yeah, I, I like when they're around because it does feel like there's a presence, you know. Yeah, like you were saying at the beginning, like just watching the animals, um, they're, they become your teachers. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was beautiful. Um, we're coming up on the time that we usually like the length of our podcast. Um, 
So maybe we can start closing out now if there's anything else you wanted to add or Jesse, if you had anything you wanted to share. Um, the only thing I will say is just, I guess just express my gratitude. Thank you, Zach, for, for joining us um, today and, and sharing, um, sharing with us. And we will link all of his all of his uh all the ways that you can connect and there we go <laughs> words, words are hard <laughs> still figuring that one out <laughs> yeah aren't we all like to communicate in other ways <laughs> that yeah. I, I should say i communicate best in other other ways besides words but we're working on it um, <laughs> part of my evolution <laughs> but uh yeah we'll bring link all of the relevant show um links in in the show notes but yeah i didn't know if you wanted to share more zach of where they can find you or take any of your classes whether yeah. it's like basket making or making spatulas out of wood or mm -hmm. whatever it is um, yeah i think i think you have a lot that you can offer and teach so i just want to make sure people can find you yeah um so yeah, I, you know, I, right now I'm kind of just uh, in between some things. I'm in that transition zone. I'm thriving. Um, so <laughs> people can find me um, on Instagram at Volpus Wild Arts or at Zach Fisher Art. Um, also, Earth Living Skills is a an organization that I help co-found and uh, run for many years. And that's kind of like a cooperative of different instructors, you know, in different areas, all kind of offering classes in, in one, one place. Uh, we do, I do teach classes with them, um, but I'm, all, I'm kind of all over the place currently. I do teach at uh, Twin Star School of Herbalism with my friend Lupo Pacero. And yeah, I'll be, uh, releasing the website uh, by the end of April uh, and that'll be volpuswildarts.com and so that's going to be the main place you can find all the different classes that I'm that I'm offering uh, kids and adults perfect awesome and yeah I just wanted to say thank you as well Zach um, I feel like I can resonate with a lot of things that you shared today. So it was nice to kind of hear that in someone else. Mm -hmm. um, but also some new things were brought up for me too. So thank you for, for sharing everything that you did of and course. for taking your time to be with us and for taking your time to share everything that you share with everyone else that you share with. How many times did I just say share? Words are hard. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> I pulled the uh, trader card yesterday in my Oracle deck. And when you say trader, it like sounds bad, but it was actually about um, exchanging energies. Mm. So you do that through sharing your gifts. And it seems like that is kind of the center of what you do is share your gifts. So thank you for being a trader in the good way. Yeah, thank uh, you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was really great talking to you guys. You know, I obviously love talking about this stuff. I've built a career on it, so... Yeah, yeah, it's, it's uh, good to do it in different forums like this and uh, grateful for you guys for doing it. Yeah, and hopefully we can have you back with some more knowledge and wisdom at another point in time. Yeah, yeah. sounds good to me. Awesome. I'll leave off 
I said I was going to leave off before, but now I'm really <laughs> um, with because you, you mentioned your your Oracle deck. So right before this call call, I pulled a card, <laughs> um, and it was the it was the arrow that I that I pulled, and I thought that was just kind of um, right on with what we were talking about, what we were going to be talking about today. Um, just that, that primitive technology. And I, I know one of the photos that you shared with us, Zach was like you with a bow and an arrow. So, um, I just thought that that was a beautiful little connection too. Mm. I have been working like one of the skills I've been really, uh, working on lately is everything archery and hunting based. Mm. So flint napping, making arrowheads, making bows, making arrows tracking that's that's funny yeah i got i got I love, some resonance from that too yeah <laughs> and i'm gonna add in too i i love arrowheads i wear my arrowhead around my neck um okay we're never gonna end this episode because i just have a, a quick story really quick <laughs> do it um i was always like gifted necklaces and they would like break or like i would lose them or like something would happen to them like I, i'll wear one necklace for like a year maybe a little more than a year maybe a little less and then at some point um like I'll lose it. Like one time one fell off and like I was gifted another one like the next day, like things like that always happen and they always align with like what I need in my life. And I was gifted a necklace and then I decided I didn't need that one anymore. And I was like, oh, when's my necklace next necklace going to come in? Like, where is it going to come from? And I wasn't getting one. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to make my own. And I just like tied an arrowhead to a string and I've been wearing it for about like six months now. And last week I was like in the car and I was like, whoa. I gifted myself that necklace at that time because I needed protection. Like I was working mm -hmm. on like setting boundaries and protecting my energy and the arrowhead is for protection. So that's my, nice. my piece of the arrow there that I wanted yeah, to share. Sure. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it even says in here, like the shape of the arrowhead is used as a protective amulet. So that's really beautiful. Yeah. And, um, the message here too is like whatever action you are considering, bear in mind the element of surprise. And I mm. think like kind of like Fox energy too. Like, oh, definitely. <laughs> so a lot of threads. sneakers. Yeah. <laughs> sneakers. So a lot of threads in there, a lot of connections, but um, okay. Well, thank you to our listeners as well for tuning in today. And um, so, so grateful for you. Yeah. Okay. With that note, I'm going to say one more thank you to Zach, to you, Jesse, as well, for always being an amazing co-host. And as Jesse said, for all of our listeners, we will see you next time. Bye. 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 -bye.